If you'll um, turn in your Bibles with me this morning, we're going to actually start in Ephesians 2 in just a, just a moment. You know, when the, it's funny, we're, we've been talking about the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, this morning's peace. And I've got to say, when those microphones were thumping, I was losing my peace back there, thinking, Lord, grant me peace. Here's some background uh, just to catch you up on, on where we are this morning. So the, the Apostle Paul, he's been traveling, he's been preaching, um, and setting up churches with elders. And then when, when they would struggle, he would write a letter to, to them, encouraging them, correcting them. And often what would come behind them him were these Judaizers who were destroying the work of the gospel. They were destroying God's peace as they followed Paul. Now, what I want you to understand is it is God's plan to restore what I'm going to call shalom or peace on earth. So when, when people teach that salvation is by anything but grace through faith in Christ, which is what was happening, what they're doing is they're destroying God's plan of peace and shalom which means God's desire for your life really is to have peace, extraordinary peace. Peace that the gospel gives between you and God. Peace that the gospel gives between you and other believers. And then there's an extraordinary supernatural peace of the Holy Spirit that actually comes upon believers' lives so that we can have peace in the midst of the worst of storms. So let me just read, we'll start off by reading um, Galatians. I know I told you to go to Ephesians, I'm sorry. Galatians 5, and uh, we'll start off there at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, where we are this morning, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Let's pray. Father, I, I just thank you that you are God of peace. You dwell in peace. Thank you that you sent your Son to restore peace. Thank you, Lord, that we see in the end, the second coming of Christ, that he will ultimately restore peace, Father. And we rejoice in that. And thank you, Lord, for the peace of the Holy Spirit, which dwells in every believer, enabling us, giving us strength in the midst of deep trials. Father, it's raining outside. We're, many of us are wet, and our thoughts can be elsewhere. I pray right now that you would take your word, saturate our minds, teach us right now, give us the fruits of the Spirit in a greater way, and be honored. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when you think about the 20th century, it really is an extraordinary century that, that we went through it was the greatest in, in progress and in knowledge and in science and in human advancement. 
But also when you think about it from another angle, there was something that they failed in, that humankind failed in, in an extraordinary way. You might say they no, took no advancement at all. And that was peace. And that was shalom on earth. And you say, okay, Rusty, what are you talking about? Let me just give you some statistics from the journal today in the world. Catch this. Since the beginning of recorded history, the entire world has had peace less than 8% of the time. So that means 3,530 years of recorded history, 286 years where there was actually peace in the world. It's extraordinary, isn't it? During that time, 8,000 peace treaties were signed and broken. In Europe, 300 years, in the last 300 years, there have been 286 years of war. That means almost every year in Europe over the last 300 years, they've had a war going on. Pretty extraordinary. The last century, you might say, has been the bloodiest century in the history of the world. Now listen, biblical peace, known as, as shalom, is, is more than just lack of wars, of course, isn't it? It means a world in harmony with God and with man, where people fear and delight in God, where justice actually triumphs. It, it is the way the world desperately wants things to be. It is the way mankind longs for things to be, yet in all of our efforts, we've not been able to achieve. Now, everybody has a vision for a perfect world, don't they? And so every year you, you hear about human rights laws, good things, peace treaties, government programs, new initiatives, UN initiatives, and yet we never reach shalom, do we? And then the question is, why? Why is that? And the answer is, because what destroys peace is actually in our hearts. It's in the world. It's in our marriages. It's in our relationships. And it's this thing, this disease that we call sin. And we would all say, yes, Rusty, God hates sin because it destroys his law, but it's actually much more than that. A big reason that God hates sin is because it destroys shalom. It destroys peace on earth. Peace between God and man, it destroyed. Peace between man and man, which if you're married or you have children, you know it destroys. And then peace in our hearts as well, doesn't it? And so what we see in the scripture is, particularly in Galatians 5, the Bible calls God a God of peace. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. When it talks about Christ, it says in Ephesians 2, He is your peace, which means God's plan of restoring shalom, the way things were in the beginning, is Jesus. Therefore, the gospel then, Ephesians 6.15, is the message of peace. And the Holy Spirit that dwells in your heart is working extraordinary, supernatural peace in your mind and your heart. 
So there's two things that we want to see this morning about this. First is this. Through Christ, we have peace from God. Through Christ, if you have a believer, you have peace from God. If you would, flip over to Ephesians 2 with me. Ephesians 2. I always, every time I do this, I go through my head, General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I'm not very smart, and so I have to have these little tools. Anybody else do that? General, well, you will tomorrow, maybe. General Electric Power Company. It's super helpful. Okay, let me read you verse 14 to 16. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. (laughs) There's a lot in that, right? Okay, so let's back up so we can understand that. The Bible story starts with shalom in the garden, doesn't it? There's peace between man, there's harmony between Adam and Eve, and then there's peace in creation. There's no thistles when we grow things, and God walks with man. There's shalom, there's peace between God and man. And then you see rebellion against the Creator. And from that point forward, you start seeing these amazing promises that God is going to restore his peace. Isaiah 9, 6, this is one of those promises. To us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So we see the prophecies that there's this Messiah coming, this king coming, and he is going to restore peace. So you know what happens when Jesus is born? Well, this is what the angel said. Notice the connection. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. And so what the angel is declaring here is, This is the one that is going to restore shalom, peace between God and man that was broken all the way back in the garden. And the one that God has been telling you all through the Old Testament is coming to restore this peace. This child is he. Now, he is our peace with God. Verse 14 and 15. Now we're going to look at Ephesians 2. So so go back to Ephesians 2 with me. For he himself is our peace. And then it goes on to say, so making peace. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is your peace with the Father. Regardless of your background. Regardless of the dirts in your closet. Regardless of your struggles. The life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is your peace with the high king in heaven. Romans 5.1 You have been justified by faith. Stop. If you're a believer, you've been made righteous by faith. 
Okay, Paul, tell us more. You now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Believer, understand that. The high king has got and made a peace covenant with you through the Son. You are in a position of peace with him. This is how Martin Lloyd-Jones says it. Man is in a diseased state, and before you can train him, you must heal him. And that's what the Son's done for us. Now, he is our peace with God, but he's also our peace with people. Look in your Bibles with me again, verse 14. Who made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself a new man in the place of the two, so making peace. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Listen, the cross destroyed the wall of division between men, between people, okay? Rusty, what does that mean? What is the wall? Well, in those days, he's talking about the division that happened between Jew and Greek. As you probably know, they hated each other. And what kept them apart at the time was the law that God had given to the Jews. So in their mind, the Jews' mind, the whole world was divided. Jew and Greek, clean and unclean, circumcised and uncircumcised. Those who can go to the temple and worship and those who cannot. And what Paul is teaching us here is that world no longer exists in the church. There's no longer two. There's just one reconciled to God through the cross. Now in the church, if you're a believer, you are a child of God. There is oneness. So in the church, there must not be any walls. Please catch that. All are the same position in Christ. Sons and daughters, sinful people saved by grace through faith. Now, the church then is to be a picture of shalom, of peace to the world. All backgrounds, one in Christ, one hope, one baptism, one faith, one spirit, one Lord and Savior. Christ died to restore shalom, oneness with God and with man, and it starts with you in the church. Oneness. Now, the whole world is desperate for shalom, aren't they? And, and they all have their different uh, ways of, of seeking it outside of the gospel. Like what, Rusty? So the communist says, well, what we need to do to have world peace is to get rid of the wealthy and the educated. Give power to the average man. The socialist says, no, 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 no. We need to deliver everybody from the wealth and their poverty, putting them on the same level, and then we'll have peace. Right? The capitalist says, no, no, we need to deliver people from tyranny and control, and then they're going to do what's right. The atheist says, no, 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 you've all got it wrong. It's religion. We have to deliver the world from religion. And once we do that, then we'll have peace. 
And then the extremely religious person says, no, no, no. The only way we're going to have peace is to put a heavy yoke of laws and restrictions upon people so that they can live a life that pleases God, and then we'll have peace. Now, on the outside, all those seem to be very different, but they actually believe the same thing. Man can deliver himself from his problems and create the right environment if forced to believe the same things. But it never produces peace, does it? And the problem is not primarily external, it's internal. It's the corruption of our own hearts. And that's why we can't accomplish shalom. My friends, Christ came to restore shalom, oneness, between God and man, between man and man in the church, and between eventually man and creation. Let's go to the second thing. Point two. Now, I will have to tell you, Daniel handed me a cup of coffee earlier called, I think it was called Jet Fuel. And so if I just start launching off here in a second, you'll know why. Or maybe I'll do a couple of Ric Flair's or something. Hey, if you would, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14. You know, usually we like to stay in one place, but when you're just preaching one word, it's kind of hard to do that. So we're going to bounce around just a little bit. John 14. Here's point two. If you're taking notes. Through Christ, we have the peace of God. So first, you have peace from God. Now you have peace of God. Look with me in John 14, verse 25 to 27. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives it, do I give it. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now, notice these words. Not as the world gives it, do I give it. Okay, stop there. How does the world then give you peace? Well, they begin from a standpoint that peace has nothing to do with God. And then they look for cures, often humanistic, man-centered methods. I'm going to read you one. This is what it says. Millions of people are suffering from undeserved stress, trials, problems, headaches. We all must apply the understanding of the 90-10 principle. It can change your life. It only takes willpower to give ourselves permission to make the experience. You want peace? You can do it. it, just takes willpower. See, the foolishness of the world is to try to practice the second great commandment without the first. Go out, they say, and love your neighbor as yourself, yet you have no need of loving the Lord first. And they fail miserably again and again and again. And so Jesus is saying, I give you peace, but not like the world does, okay? What is it? Look at verse 26 and 27. 26 and 7. Notice what he says here. Peace I leave with you. You see those words? Now, verse 26, but the helper whom the Father will send in my name, peace I leave with you. 
You see the connection? The Holy Spirit is coming. Peace I leave with you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, which every believer receives. It is the Spirit that He leaves with us that gives us an extraordinary peace. This is His gift. The Spirit of Christ in us is your peace. Now, he goes on a little bit more. He says this, Therefore, let not your hearts be troubled or afraid. Stop. Those words, troubled, means like stirred up, like a pool of water. Emotions, thoughts, you're troubled. Afraid means to shrink in fear. And he's using it in an absolute sense. Don't be afraid at all. Don't shrink in fear at all. And you say, how is that possible? Because, Rusty, if you could see my life, I'm controlled by fear. It's my constant companion. I'm always gripped with fear of the future. Something that might happen. Well, how does the Holy Spirit free you from that? Verse 25. Look in your Bibles with me. Notice this. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. Let's, let's finish here. It is very simple. The Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance, Christian, the truths of Christ and His Word. All that He has said to us. All His promises to you. All that He has said as true to you. So that when you struggle... When your heart is gripped by fear of approval or whatever it might be, the Holy Spirit comes to you in those times when you feel, Lord, what's going to happen with this situation and what's going to happen with that situation? I'm so fearful that this church is going to hate my preaching and they're going to fire me tomorrow. Or whatever yours might be. And the Holy Spirit brings to your remembrance the truths, the words, the promises of the gospel. I am your Father. I have adopted you. You are mine. I will watch over you. And a million more truths. If you struggle feeling guilty and ashamed of things you've done in the past or things that you're thinking about in the future, the Holy Spirit brings in the gospel promises. You are righteous and you are clean and I will give you power and victory in the future. So whatever it might be, the Spirit brings to life the Word in your life. Okay? What does that look like? John George Carpenter was a general in the Salvation Army, and he tells the story that he and his wife had a daughter who wanted to be a missionary. This is a long time ago, 1800s, and they understood that missionaries, especially where she was going, often didn't come home. So they sent her off into the mission field, and they prayed for her again and again and again. And they got a message one day, they said, 
your daughter has got typhoid. She's very sick. He said, six days they've been praying, and on the sixth day, I want to read you his quote. The very morning she died, John and his wife said, you know, I am aware of a strange calm within. And his wife, now, this is before texting. They didn't know, okay? So catch that. You know, I'm aware of a strange calm within. And his wife said, I feel exactly the same. She said, this must be the peace of God. And it was the peace of God, he said, keeping the heart and the mind quiet in preparation for the news we knew was coming. Brothers and sisters, when you face trouble, when fear grips our heart, The gospel message to you says, by faith in Christ, yes, you've been justified by faith, you have peace with with God, but also in our everyday life, He has given you the spirit of peace so that you can experience shalom through the truths and the promises of His Word. And last thing I'll say is, the church is to be a respite of that. The church is to be a shining light on a hill of that where there is extraordinary oneness and peace in the life of God's people. Well, let me just say one last thing. I said that was it, but that's not. Where does that come from? It it, it comes from worship and communion with Jesus. The, the, The more you commune with Him, the more you worship and spend time with Him, the more in the midst of storms you experience that type of peace. Amen? Father, I thank you so much. You didn't... And you, Jesus even says it here in John 14, I'm not leaving you as orphans alone. You've joined yourself to us. There's oneness. You've given us the Spirit. And now you tell us, don't, don't have up any walls between you and any other believer. There's got to be oneness there. Father, I pray for our sweet congregation here, lovely believers, filled with the Spirit. Lord, but I pray there would be no walls, Lord, in our hearts toward any other believer for whatever reason, in this church or another. And if there is, Lord, let us come to you right now, lay them before you, and ask that you would tear them down by your strength. Lastly, Father, I pray that we would know the presence of the peace of Christ that Jesus says he gives us every day. It would guard our hearts and our minds. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.